Hello, and welcome to the Emotional Expedition Podcast. I'm Meg Thomas, and if you want to live a more open-hearted, magical life, it all starts with your emotions. This podcast will take you on a journey, helping you to better understand, express, release, and heal your emotions. Let's get exploring. Welcome back to the Emotional Expedition Podcast. I am here with, of course, a very, very special guest. This is Tree Marie. She's the creator of Cycle Alchemy, which is the intersection of science and spirit, where she teaches about reproductive sovereignty, how you can become the expert of your own cycle. She offers somatic movement and dance classes. She's a coach, among many, many other things, and a wildly incredible and intuitive astrologer. I highly recommend following her on Instagram. I'll have it linked below, but if you want to check it out, it's at Cycle Alchemist. And her and her husband, three children, an abundance of chickens live on Wiley Fox Farm, an organic farm in upstate New York, where I've actually been getting my garden plants from for, I think, about 10 years now. And her and I are just getting to know each other at this point, but she's been um, around in my atmosphere for a long time. So I'm so grateful that we are getting to know each other better. So welcome. How are you today? Thanks so much. I am super well. It's a beautiful spring day here on the farm and there's a lot of plant babies sprouting up and it it just feels feels very seasonal today. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I normally like to start with childhood, but you and I have made a commitment of just going with the flow today. So what does the cycle of springtime, summer, what does this mean to you? That's a great question. I've always felt very anchored in seasonal living. To make this a long answer to a short question, (laughs) when I was very young, when I was about 10 years old, my dad up and moved the family to Hawaii for a year. And it was the most beautiful experience. It was just such a cultural immersion. It was beautiful. But I felt this deep longing for seasons, right? I was like, this feels so strange, even as a kid. like, And this was really at the beginning of my first blush with my intuitive self. But I really missed that seasonality. So I think spring, it really marks a pivotal time for me, not only in terms of how my businesses kind of have this seasonal cycle that they move through, but just the whole energetics of the season and the way of being, right? Winter in the Northeast is such a lovely time to kind of draw back a little bit from the outside world, right? To kind of shutter ourselves in for winter and do a little reviewing and reflecting and rejuvenating ourselves for that springtime season. When Aries season hits, when we first go into that like spring solstice, I mean, I feel something come alive within me. I love making observations. Before the snow even melts, you can notice signs of spring in the world around you. And as you can imagine, being on a farm is an incredible place to witness those things happening, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so 
with the chickens, you can kind of tell that the chickens start to get a little more broody and they want to hatch eggs. And you can start to see certain plants that create so much heat when they emerge in the spring that they melt the snow around them. And you start to see all of these subtle signs. And, uh, you know, the month, airy season between like March and April is a time of energetic push, right? There is so much creation. There's so much energy flowing here on the farm. We're planting so many seeds and transplanting baby plants. It's just this huge initiatory time. And then we get to write about now and we head into Taurus season and we start to really get into the lushness of spring, right? Like the plants are really mm. blooming and the leaves are starting to unfurl and open. And it's kind of like that initiation energy kind of starts to exhale, right? Yeah. And you really get into that like luxurious, more, I don't know, that more like juicy or unfurling period of spring where it's not so frenetic. It's not so much about creation, but it's more just about easing and flowing into that opening, right? Mm -hmm. Mm. I don't even know if that answered your oh, initial yeah. question, but that's <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I I'm in nature every day and this time of year I just love it. I have some favorite spots on the earth that where I go hiking and it's only for maybe a two week period where I'm like, okay, this is my favorite spot of where I hike right now. And I know it's coming and it's like, it just gets greener before anywhere else. And it's hopeful. It's hopeful for mm. me. The spring is, is this emergence and me as well, like having businesses that were pretty cyclical as far as like when I was a wedding photographer things would really slow down in the winter and then really amp up in the spring and, and last into the fall. And so I even my own body would go into these rhythms in relation to my business. So I, I love that you get to experience that. For somebody, and maybe when you were living in Hawaii, for somebody who doesn't experience the seasons, I would say, as dramatically as we do in upstate New York, how can they tap into that cyclical nature of what's happening around them and even within them? Yeah, I think whatever the container you choose to be as your your unit, your your cycle, and you know, I love to talk about cycles, but they're really more spirals than cycles, mm. right? Because a cycle is a closed loop. We think of it as a closed loop. And I feel that the cycles that we go through, they're just like one click off from each other, right? So we're coming very similar to a very similar place, but always a little bit different. So whatever that container is, whether it be the seasons or the you could use the solstices and the equinoxes as your kind of goalposts. Mm -hmm. You could use your menstrual cycle. You could use the lunar cycle. You could use like any other annual or monthly rhythm that you can think of to tap into. Whatever that container is, it's really just making observations and then taking notes about where you are on that wheel or that spiral, right? I think just the ability to zoom out and observe where we are on that, what spoke of that wheel we're on at the moment and kind of just be able to anchor into that energy mm. is helpful. Some people use the Zodiac, right? Mm. 
So you have 12 opportunities to occupy a different zodiacal energy throughout the year. You could use that as your mechanism. Where it gets really interesting is how do we how do we meet at all these intersections of these different cycles in our lives, right? Mm, tell me more. Yeah. So we talk about one of my favorite and you know, close to your heart, the menstrual cycle. So it's a 28-ish day cycle. The lunar cycle is a 28-ish day cycle. And the two are very closely aligned in their specific phases, right? But what happens if your personal menstrual cycle is a few clicks off from the lunar cycle, Mm. right? What if you're in full moon energy in your body when there's new moon energy in the sky, right? So how do you find the intersections? And that's only, you know, is a very personal invitation to find out exactly how those two cycles intersect with each other because it's a very like beginning and end. But what we really realize trying to work all this out is that it's it's the idea of duality, right? Is there truly a beginning and, and an end or is there only one? We think about this in terms of light and dark. Do they exist because of the other? Is it polarity or is it unity? That thought, right? Mm -hmm. So the cycle is very similar where it begins, it ends, where it ends, it begins. So finding out your very individual place where they intersect is personal. How would you say emotions play into these cycles and or anywhere astrologically based on our menstrual cycle? Like what have been your observations of emotions coming into play? Ooh. Yeah. I think to, to tease it apart in different cycles may be helpful. Let's look at the zodiac, I suppose, at first. And since we're here in, in spring in the Northeast, let's frame it in that way. So we just left Aries season, a very fiery, initiatory season associated with warriorship, right? The start of something new, the inhale breath, right? A lot of times our emotions are very, like you said, hopeful during springtime, right? We are full of opportunity and hope and motivation. And then we move over. We have a month of that energy, that initiation, that moving forward energy. And then we kind of get to a as I said before, we get into this Taurus season. Taurus is a very sensual sign. Sensual as in of the earth, of the senses. Not so mm-hmm. much sex, sensual, but very much of the senses. So when we get into this season, many of us feel that kind of more relaxed energy, that more we want to enjoy a tea party outside in the sun with our friends instead of cleaning out our garage or getting out and jogging every day because we're so excited. It's not below zero anymore. So I think we can really track our emotions and how they move through the Zodiac and how those archetypal representations of the signs of the Zodiacs can kind of mimic the energy of the seasons. And with astrology, you know, astrology is essentially a story of how the sun and the moon interplay with each other. It's very like brass tacks. If you break it down, it's a story about how light and dark 
interact with each other and when the light returns in the spring and when it in the fall. So the zodiac is all representations of those very unique combinations of light returning or stabilizing or leaving, right? So each sign represents a very unique combination of that. So it makes a lot of sense that each of those signs represents a certain emotion or emotive state that one might feel during that time of the year. Hmm. That's With super helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go there. Yes. Please. So it's truly, yeah. So our cycle is very similar, right? When we are in our inner spring, we are in this period of coming back to to life, if you will, or getting ready to nourish life. Our uterine lining is growing. Our estrogen is increasing. We're feeling ourselves a little bit more and more and more as we move up that estrogen ladder. Then we come to our summer, our peak bloom, our ovulation moment, right? And maybe we feel very outward in that moment. We want to go dancing. We want to share with our friends. We want to be social. We want to be able to perceive and discern a mate that might be the right one for us. We're very motivated, right? We're, again, that very full bloom kind of energy of springtime, summertime, excuse me. And then after we ovulate, we have this sharp decline into our autumn. We're losing our leaves. We're starting to pull back. We're starting to take our resources back if there is a pregnancy. So we're starting to conserve a little bit more. We're starting to want to be in our home and making soup and maybe doing tasks that require a little more higher executive functioning at that time, right? Doing a little filing. Our brains are more able to do some finishing and finalizing tasks. And that kind of mimics what our body is doing at that time, right? And then in winter or our menstrual cycle, when we have our bleed, it's a time where, we, where we're giving it away, right? Where we're being quiet, where we're releasing things that don't serve us. Some folks recognize that in that late autumn or luteal phase, early menstrual or winter phase, our filter might be a little bit less than what it is when we're actively in our spring and summer and looking for a mate. We're not really too concerned with bonding and mate choice when we're in our winter, because we're releasing and letting go, we're not actively searching to, you know, it's like, so it's very interesting, I suppose, my point in this, how our biology mimics our, many times can mimic our emotional state. And of course, these are not like hard and fast rules. These Mm -hmm. are very broad, general, archetypal kind of representations, both in terms of the astrology and the menstrual cycle. But just Mm -hmm. being able to recognize where we are kind of helps us anchor in life, right? When yes. we feel our feelings and we're not clear on if they have some kind of, you know, I feel like as humans, we're always trying to prove something to ourselves, right? So we feel, ooh, I feel this grief. Well, is it valid? Like we almost gaslight ourselves with the validity of our feelings and needing to make meaning out of them and understanding where they come from. And I find that sometimes if we're able to look at a structure or system and say, hey, this makes sense according to the season that we're in or the sign that we're in or the aspect that my sun is making to my moon or whatever it may be, what my biology is doing, it really helps us to anchor into trust rather than doubt Mm. 
in the authenticity of our feelings and our experience. I love this so much. I started, I have a monthly calendar that I use that I have different astrological points of like knowing, okay, this is when the full moon's happening, the new moon's happening, some of those markers for me. And I also put my cycle on there. I put, you know, this is where I'm at in my cycle. And I currently, I have it, you know, listed as luteal and I now draw the associations of of what that means and ovulation and and that but I love this idea I just I'm going to incorporate this immediately is instead of using the word luteal which I am not connected to in that way I love this idea of of writing inner spring is that what you said the inner spring like the different mm the different seasons as in a monthly cycle on my calendar. When I look at the 28 days, the 30 days, however many days are in a month, it's now going to show the different phases of season. Is that what you're saying to do? Can you list for some of, I know some listening are very much in the fertility world like I am, So we, you know, think of it as, can you just define which one is luteal, which one is ovulation? You kind of said that about some of them, just so people really can connect those points. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we'll go through the cycle and seasons just using a couple quick keywords. Okay. So let's start with winter. So winter is a representation of the menstrual or the bleeding phase. This is when your hormones are the lowest. This is when we're letting go and we're releasing. From That would also be likened to the new moon. I'll try to hit all three. See if I can okay. remember throughout Perfect. this whole okay. thing. <laughs> so after the new moon or winter or letting go, releasing menstrual season, we move into our inner spring. And our inner spring represents the follicular phase or when we begin to increase our estrogen. This is also indicative of the waxing moon or the when it's growing towards fullness. So after spring, we go into summer. Summer represents our ovulatory phase. For many folks, it, that's the shortest phase of the cycle. It may mm-hmm. be only a few days for some folks. And spring, ovulation, full moon. So this is the moment where we are maybe having revelations. We are seeing things most clearly. We may be celebrating. We are in that kind of peak pinnacle moment of the cycle. Did I say all things? Full moon, ovulation, summer. And from summer, we go into our autumn. And our autumn represents our luteal phase. This is after ovulation when our estrogen drops sharply and our progesterone increases sharply. This is where many people start to experience PMS and symptoms of that. We're drawing our resources back. We're starting to prepare for winter. It's the waning moon moment. So these are also good times to start thinking about releasing and letting go and what doesn't serve. Mm. I think we had hit on you all did. of them. That's great. Okay, that, yeah, that really made it much clearer. Uh, so I could see it from the terminology we get from these fertility clinics, right? Is there a time, I know for me, 
there's a time every month where I feel more connected to my intuition. Do you believe that as well? Totally. I think for many people, it's a shared experience that that luteal and menstrual phase tend to be a little bit more intuitive or you have a little bit more clarity. I don't know about y'all, but I get stupid on estrogen. Like I just get dumb. Like I'm just like out there bopping around doing my thing and like, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting to pile up my plate. Like if I'm at the barbecue, I've got corn and mashed and the whole thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my critical thinking is not its best during the first summer and spring phases, the uh, follicular and ovulatory phases. But I can chill out a little bit more. You know, progesterone is also known to be kind of a calming and soothing hormone. Many people have, you know, a rough experience those last two weeks as well. You know, even cases like PMDD, it can get really intense and premenstrual symptoms can really affect people's lives really deeply in those phases. So I'm not meaning to take it lightly and say that everybody has a great time when progesterone kicks in because it's not the case. But for many people, it's a time where you're able to exhale a little bit and do yeah. finalizing tasks and think clearly and write in your journal. And naturally, we feel a little more inclined to stay home and care for ourselves rather mm-hmm. than put our energy out into the world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Because I've always felt much more intuitive right, right before the menstrual cycle is usually when I start to get some, some really juicy insights. So that, that lines up. Will you tell us a little bit of how you got to this place? Like, how did you, were you always fascinated with cycles? What, what were you like as a child? Like, how did you get here? Yeah, that's like a really interesting question because I wish it was some really like pivotal (laughs) like I, you know, lifted up a truck and saved somebody's life story. But when I was a kid, I just spent most of my time outside. I really loved the natural world and my parents were super supportive of it. You know, like I remember one time picking these like scrubby, dirty ass looking apples out of a field behind my house and bringing them home. And of course my mom, like, you know, we made apple pie and the whole thing. And was always digging in the dirt and making potions and doing the things as a kid. My mom was a nurse, so she was always very open about how your body worked. And she didn't have the expertise in cycles, but she was always very cycle positive. And getting your period was something that I looked forward to and was like fascinated by as a kid. My intuition developed pretty young when I was 10 years old is is probably when I remember my first intuitive hit really hitting me. And again, it was when my dad moved the family to Hawaii for a year and we met his business partner out for dinner one night the first time and I was overcome with these feelings and I was crying and I remember I took my mom out on the beach and we took a little walk and I was like, mom, I just feel so uncomfortable. I don't know what's going on for me. I can't stop crying. And it turned out that that partnership was not a very good one. And it ended up falling through and was, you know, kind of, so that was my first kind of indication that I could intuit situations. And, and I, you know, didn't really know how to develop that. I was very interested in 
intentional living and ritualizing life and things like that throughout my whole life and went through these phases of really leaning into mentors and learning about developing my intuition and how to lead an intentional life. And there were other times where I lived a very linear, I say masculine representation where I was just like, nope, I need to X, Y, Z and build businesses and be successful and make myself a seat at the man's table. So it's kind of been a little all over the map. Mm-hmm. You know, I think my own chi- my childbirth experiences really led me to deepen my work with the pelvis and women and cycles. You know, I always had a really healthy outlook about cycles, but was deathly afraid to have children. And mm-hmm kind of went through that process where I had to accept and lean in and kind of meet my fears in that or, you know, go kicking and screaming. And I suppose I had some wonderful mentors around me that kind of helped me learn about gentle parenting and alternatives to the traditional hospitalized birth process that's so prevalent here in the United States. Mm-hmm. It was a come to Jesus moment when I had my daughter and it was a beautiful orgasmic birth that I really didn't even know what that was at the time. And it kind of opened a portal that I had no idea what was on the other side. And I cannot stop what keeps coming through that portal at this juncture. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Was she your first, your, is she your oldest? She is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So she was my first. And then my second child, I had soon thereafter, my two kiddos are 14 months apart. And when I became pregnant with my son, I did not seek any medical care till I was about 30 weeks. I had a deep trust Mm -hmm. in my body and a good experience the first time. And my husband and I were actually traveling a little bit. And when I came back to my midwife and had a routine appointment, she called me on the phone, like, you know, very soon after the appointment, she was like, we have to talk about something. Long story short, she informed me that there was an anomaly in my son's brain and she could no longer care for me. And I needed to be in a highly medicalized all of a sudden, very scary and medicalized birth system that I was not expecting to be in. Yeah. Essentially, what the report was, was that he was missing a structure in his brain that facilitates communication between the right and left hemispheres. And the docs were like, well, here's the prognosis. He could be totally fine. Or he could not be able to breathe on his own. We don't really know. And we won't be able to figure that out until he's born. So for the next Mm. couple months, there was a lot of work in terms of leaning into the unknown. And Mm. just kind of being able to trust the process. And I did not get it right. I'll tell you that there was a lot of dissociation mm-hmm. and compartmentalizing and probably some unhealthy coping skills that were a part of that process as well. But it really catapulted my spiritual growth, I suppose, 
in so many ways, just to anchor into that. And, you know, at the end of the day, he was, he was okay. We were cleared to have a vaginal birth at the end and he was fine. He has quite a host of developmental needs and Mm -hmm. every day is a process with him. But I don't, oh, my story in, how did I get to where I am today? Yeah. So I think, right, just being a weird kid Mm -hmm. to begin with, being immersed in nature and those cycles and seasons and kind of having a cycle positive Mm -hmm. upbringing. And then both my very different childbirth experiences, one that was like beautiful and sacred and textbook, if you will. And the next one that was wrought with a lot of pain and trauma and fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, shortly thereafter, I had a pretty nasty divorce that took quite a long time. And to this day, interactions with that Mm -hmm. person is still one of my greatest teachers, right? I mean, it's still, (laughs) I show up for the work every single day. Hmm. And just learning that, I mean, we are the only person responsible for our, quote, success or failure or enjoyment or fulfillment yeah. in life. Like, we're the only person. And that's not to be sensitive to people who are in some really atrocious situations, people that are born into them or end up in them, not of their own will. You know, you think about Holocaust survivors and I'm like, well, just just change your mindset about this concentration camp and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's very insensitive in some ways, but in other ways, I think we are so blind to the degree of personal autonomy and sovereignty that we have. It's just the fear mm-hmm. of taking that leap to say, like, am I going to be a conscious creator of my own life or am I going to continue to get up and go to the job that puts my self-worth on the line every day, right? Like we have the choice to engage in those situations to some degree. Mm. Thank you for sharing such profoundly beautiful personal story. Mm. And I think many of us can, can relate to this in the sense that we have these ideas of how we want things to go. And for me, I dream of getting pregnant naturally and birthing babies at home and, you know, not having any, any doctors involved in any of this. And this has not been my journey. And I've had to learn to trust and ask for help. And most importantly, which I also heard in your story was, learning how to never give our power away to something outside of ourselves. And we're human. And so we've all done it. I've done it. And and that that ultimately we can come back to this place of our own personal sovereignty. Yeah. So thank you for we we love to hear the journey on this podcast that It's never this linear, I did this and became this and then went to school for this amount of years and became this. And this is, it's never that. And many times we're learning from the contrast. We're Mm -hmm. learning from 
our own fear. We're learning from the shadow side of it, the dark side of it versus the light side of it. And mm, it was really beautiful and powerful. So thank you for, for sharing that story with us. Yeah, you are very welcome. I um, 100% agree that we learn the most when we're in those more shadowy phases. Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. we allow our shadow to be seen. We invite it in. We say, hey, girl, like, come in for tea and conversation here because you've been asking, you've seen that envy, that jealousy, that resentment, whatever it is going on below the surface there, like, invite it in. Let's talk talk to it because it is mm-hmm. desperately asking to be seen. Yeah. And this information, right? Our shadow is so full of information, but it's painful and we have to be able to sit mm-hmm. with the discomfort and. Yeah. Lean, not even sit and lean into it and sometimes go deeper into the discomfort before we get anywhere or we get before we understand and. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to draw this connection and I'm hoping you can help me because I I have been learning more about somatic breath work and w- what yoga has done for me and how it's transformed my life and I know that you are such a gift to this somatic movement and dance. Is there a connection between our emotions in this somatic movement. So for me, my belief is is that we carry these emotions inside of us and they can get stuck and trapped and trauma can get stuck in the body and that some of these somatic ways can help us move them through. I would love to hear what your take is on emotions in the body and somatic movement. What does it provide for us? Yeah. Absolutely. I love that frame. That is so accurate how you just described it. Yeah. So the basis, I think we have a hard time naming what's happening in our bodies sometimes, right? We have a hard time even recognizing what's going on in our bodies. Sometimes anxiety is one of the like hallmark examples we could draw on, right? We don't exactly understand or we don't pick up on the subtle cues of some muscle tension or jaw clenching or something like that we we may start to notice when we're snippy to our coworkers or our family members or whatever might be but our body stores just like you said our body stores all of our experiences in some way yes in our mind but really what bypasses our mind, what's too much for our mind to process at some time gets stored elsewhere in the body, right? So this is why you've probably experienced in your yoga practice, why maybe some poses every time I get into a deep pigeon, I start to cry or I only notice with my left side, right? So I think there's some areas or pockets of storage in the body for one that We need to work out and then we need to kind of connect the mind and the body together. Like somatic work can be really confronting because we're sometimes asking those experiences or those feelings to come back to us, right? Mm. So we can go unconscious our whole lives being like, why when I get in 
a deep pigeon on my left side to tears just come out of my body. And we can go our whole lives being unconscious about that. But do we sit and ask of our body what it needs in that moment or ask more of it in that moment, right? Like, okay, I'll stay here with you. I can sit here with this. You know, the work that I do in some of my movement classes, sometimes it's very prompted. Like we ask joy or grief or anger, whatever the feeling is to be seen. And sometimes we just ask the body to move and see what comes from the body as well. So I think, you know, somatic work kind of takes off where talk therapy leaves off maybe, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like Mm -hmm. we can spend, uh, I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day that we can spend 20 years talking to the same therapist about the same thing, but like, where does the work begin to move past that grief, right? And it it lies in the body. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot that's unconscious that could come out through movement, through a practice, through something that we show up to, but in particular, something that we invite the discomfort in. Sometimes the discomfort isn't just the grief. Sometimes the discomfort is joy too. I find mm. that, Almost equally, I see that, that when somebody has a profound experience of joy, right? So when we're, in particular, why why the dance is so important to this somatic movement that I do is because it really invites joy in. And so many women in particular have like an aversion to joy or to the experience of joy, right? And I see Mm -hmm the power of that emotion, how that moves through people. I mean, it's almost more profound than somebody processing grief or anger or rage, whatever it might be that somebody's like, I really felt joy. I felt what it felt like to be myself again tonight. And that's just so powerful. And I think a lot of it comes from flow state. You know, when we get in that state of dance and it's a very like safe container, right? It's, always women or people with uteruses, however they define themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's a a safe container. You're not like at a club, you know, it's a sober Mm -hmm. environment for one as well. And you're in this supportive community of other women who have maybe shared something vulnerable at the beginning of end of class. You're in community and it's safe and we can access that flow state, right? So flow state is like, musicians get into it when there's like a guitar player like doing a solo or a violinist or a dancer on a stage it's when somebody is just in this creative unity of their body their spirit and their mind and they give zero Mm. fucks about any of the people around them what they think of them in that moment that's when we really access that like pure creative joy right like straight from the sacral and um Yeah, I think that is just, that's one of the most profound moments. We forget how important Mm. joy is. Yeah. Oh, I love this so much. I I need to come to a class and experience this. And I think you're so right that the more I dive into emotions, the more I'm seeing that is how uncomfortable joy is. (laughs) And that when we numb our pain, 
which many, many of us do when we numb our grief or our anger, or our disappointment, we are simultaneously numbing our joy. Yeah. So if we're not allowing ourselves to feel the harder, quote unquote, negative emotions, I don't think any of the emotions are negative, but as we identify them culturally that way, when we work so hard to not feel those, we're also we're just numbing the joy. We can't, if we can't access that, we can't access our joy fully. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Is it music involved as well with the dance? Like, do you curate it to help connect with these different emotions? Yeah, definitely. So basically the format mm -hmm. of the class is we open with a little teaching and some circle time, right? So we share in circle, we learn a little bit about the nervous system or whatever the theory, the topic of the class is for the day. And then we move. There's some more yoga-based movements to open up the body. And then we kind of bring the energy up and bring the energy back down. Sometimes we do a little chanting, you know, the music, yeah, the playlists are on point. I just got to say the playlists are on point. <laughs> It really makes it, right? So certain... Mm -hmm. That's what I'm finding with breath work. It's about the playlist. Totally. Like there is a a system to create that movement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, we bring the energy up and down. And like I said, sometimes we invite specific emotions in. Sometimes we just invite the blank slate and see what the body has to offer. Yeah. Then we bring it back down with a little shavasana and do a little laying of hands. Sometimes mm -hmm. there's some intuitive hits that come through during class. And then we mm -hmm. close out with a little share and mm. yeah, try to keep a little community going outside. You know, if somebody has anything to process and. You were speaking to my soul that I do have a therapist that I go to and got back, you know, to going to as I knew I was, as as this journey that I'm on recently came up. And so with that being said, I also have always not always, but you know, of recent years have always found ways to move it through the body, whether it be yoga, whether it be breath work, something like that. I have to move it through the body. Yeah. And so I love, I just love this of dance and offering it through this, this beautiful way of that. That must be really powerful to witness. Oh, it's powerful mm -hmm. in so many ways. Yeah. I am just so grateful mm -hmm. that I can show up and do the work, you know? I mean, and that's like, mm -hmm. that is it. Like I am a hot mess who shows up to do the work every single day. And yes. We're not perfect. Oh we don't have it figured out yet. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. By any stretch of the mm -hmm. imagination. And, you know, like, I'm just so grateful. I remember some of my first experiences with Women's Circle were just when I had two babies on, you know, like barely a year old and an infant, and I could just go and be like a mess. And maybe one person would like hold one baby for me. And Somebody would get me a cup of tea and it was just this wonderfully supportive mm -hmm. community. And just to know that I could show up in all of my imperfections and be loved like exactly for who I was is just, 
yeah, such a balm. So, mm. yeah, we love it. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have time for a few rapid fire questions? Ooh, I love it. Let's do it. Okay. What is your favorite book? Mm. Okay. How do you choose a favorite? But what comes to mind right now? I'm going to give you my favorite top of mind one right now. Waylon Lewis, Things I Would Like to Do With You. Holy shit. Ooh, I don't know this one. Oh I God. love it when I get to hear one. I don't know. Okay. So okay. He's like, it's so beautiful. It's like not too spicy, but it is this like achingly romantic, very short passages that this beautiful romantic man wrote. So you and your partner go get like a cabin in the woods and bring that book with you. You just cry with each other mm. all weekend. It's so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Okay. I love it. Yeah. What are you currently reading? Do you have time to currently read right now? I don't really have time to currently read, but I yeah. just found a book for like $2, the dusty bargain basement book somewhere. I think it's called Buffalo Woman Comes Singing. It's, uh, yeah, I just flip to a random page every night and each bit of it is just, I don't even know who the author Mm. is, but Mm -hmm. beautiful um, First Nation woman kind of and her teachings and lessons and it's beautiful. Mm. Mm. What's one thing you know for sure? Oh, one thing I know for sure is that the winds of change are always going to keep blowing our way. So we just have to be able Mm. to adjust our sails, right? Mm. That's a good one. Do you have a favorite quote, poem, something you'd like to leave us with? Oh, it's a toss up. So one of my favorites, which maybe just reflects what I just said, is Pema Chodron. You are the sky. Everything else is just the weather, right? I use it Mm. so often, so often, in particular in my astrology work. Yeah. But Mm. you are the permanent. Everything else is impermanent, you know? Beautiful. Yeah. Oh. I love that. I haven't heard that quote before. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if you want to connect with Tree, her Instagram is at Cycle Alchemist. Her website is treemariemartini.com and that's T-E-R-E. And I will have links to everything in the show notes and in the blog post. Do you have anything coming up that you'd like to share? Yeah. So every year, well, this will be the third year, we put on a little day of beautiful, holistic healing and intuitive readings and just a beautiful, wonderful day here on the farm, Um, an immersion into the feminine we call cultivating the intentional feminine. And that's Mm. happening on the 30th of September this year. I invite anyone who is interested in finding some local community, mm-hmm. a circle to be a part of, a yoga instructor, there's sound. I mean, it's a beautiful day. So that's the 30th of September. And I'm sure anybody could just find. I'll put a link to that too. Oh, cool. I'll put a link so people can find that as well. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I have not been and I... 
really, I would love to be there this year. So oh, I'd love to have you. you. I've got ideas. We, we'll talk off air about that one. All yeah. right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. I know that you really planted a lot of seeds and just inspired. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm absolutely thrilled to have this chat with you today. I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for listening. And if you loved this episode, will you please share it with a friend or two? Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you're sure to never miss a single episode. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's Voices Amplified.